want to tell you where this message comes from. It comes from this heart, a warning to prepare us as believers to uh, let God finish in us what he started. And he says that he will do that. And I want us to see the progression of the word. I run into believers and uh, they will say, yes, I am saved. But, but that's all they seem to have is this moment in their life where they walk down to an altar and they said a prayer and they say, yes, I believe and yes, I am saved. But then there doesn't seem to be much after that. And I find even as believers, we can get stuck sometimes in uh, a place. We get stuck and we don't seem to be moving forward. So I wanted to go back and share with you how the word works, how the word actually changes our lives to make us more like Christ. Uh, so that's why I want us to be in Romans chapter 10, because that is really where we find out how salvation works. And here's what it says. Romans 10, verses 13 and 14. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So here is how we get to salvation. Somebody was sent. Jesus sent out his disciples and he told them to, to go and preach the gospel. And they preached. They preached to the Jews. They preached to the Gentiles. And people heard the word of God, and they believed in their heart, and they confessed with their mouth. And I wonder today if we are seeing few people coming to Christ because something broke down in the process that maybe we haven't sent out people. I don't know if you realize, but you're sent too. Jesus said, pray this, pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest. Maybe you say, well, I'm no preacher. Well, that simply means to proclaim the, the word of God. And, and, and then maybe that's why we're not seeing people saved. It also depends on our, our heart condition. Uh, but salvation is not the end of the story. Could you please hear me on that one? Salvation is not the end of the story. We don't walk to, uh, down an aisle, say a prayer, and then for the rest of our lives call ourselves followers of Christ who don't follow. That's the thing that's been running around in my head. How can you be a follower who doesn't follow? How can you be an unbelieving believer? And so I want us to see how the Word of God moves us beyond salvation, and it takes us to, to more Christ-likeness. And so there's this journey, just like we read in Romans chapter 10, and it begins in James chapter 1. So if you'll go over there, James chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse 21. James chapter 1, verse 21 says this. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You see, the first step after salvation is that we begin to continue into the Word of God so that it gets implanted into our hearts. It's, it's like Brantley was saying, 
when we meditate, when we memorize the Word of God. And so I want to give you some ways to help you so that the Word of God could be implanted in your life. Uh, as Brantley said before, memorization. And so many times we stop memorization after we get out of Kingdom Kids. We stop memorization after we leave vacation Bible school as a child. But can I tell you that all of us as adults, we need to memorize the Word of God. I think the days are over when we can say, well, you know, I, I kind of know where that thing is. No, we're living in an age where we need to know what the Word of God says. So I want to challenge us to, to memorize the Word of God. What Brantley shared with you is absolutely correct. Do you realize that if you just memorize one verse every week, that at the end of the year, you'll have 52 verses that you remember? And even if you fall short, let's say you only do half of that. Uh, how many more verses will you have that are implanted in your heart? And, and what James is saying is, is that when that word gets implanted, it bears fruit of its own kind. So in our hearts, before the word is there, we may be living all kinds of ways. But then when the word gets implanted, it, it causes our heart to turn, to turn like what is in the word. But then we not only need to memorize the word, but we need to meditate on the word of God. That's why Philippians 4, the message I delivered about two weeks ago, we need to dwell on the Word of God. We need to memorize it, and then we need to meditate on it to say, what is this Word? What does it mean? What are, what are the implications? What is the, the application for my life? It doesn't matter if you know 52 verses if you don't know how to apply them to your life. That's where meditation comes in. And then we need to, to study the Word of God. We need to get into the Word and study what it means for every situation in our lives. I believe we're at a place in Christianity where our uh, lives can no longer be devotional. We need a deeper walk with the Lord than just a daily devotion. And uh, that is a great place to start, but that is not where Christ has taken us. It is great to have some book that you read one verse and they tell you what it means and you say a prayer and you move on throughout your day. But I'm telling you, we're moving into times where we've got to study the Word of God. We've got to know it. We need a deeper life than just a devotional life. And so I want to challenge you to not stop at salvation, to not stop at a devotional life, but we press in. And then where do we press in after the Word of God is implanted? in our life, then it begins to inform us. And I'm gonna go old school on you today. I'm doing a four point alliteration with the word I. I did not intend for it to happen this way, but that's how the Lord sort of delivered this thing to me. So the first one was that the word has to be implanted in our lives, James 1, 21. And then the word informs us. What does that mean? It means that it gives us knowledge and it gives us understanding but I want you to go back and hear the message from last week. Go back and look at it on Facebook or on YouTube. But, but I want you to hear that because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, he says there's two kinds of knowledge. That's what I was saying last week, is that there is a, a knowledge that puffs up, that it accuses, that it tears down, that it's pride-filled. But then Paul says there's a, another kind of knowledge. It's the the true knowledge of God. And what it does is it makes us humble. It makes us more loving and it builds us up. 
You see, there's a difference between knowing God and having knowledge. You see, you can memorize and you can even meditate on the word and you will have knowledge of it. But if you're not careful, that'll make you puffed up. But what it is supposed to do is fuel you so that your relationship with God himself grows. I remember the first time encountering someone that was this overwhelming sense, this person knows God. It was different than this person knows the Bible. It was, this person knows God. It's like they, they talk to him. And I, I, I thought, I think God talks to them too. And I had a discussion with someone this week and I said, yeah, I, I can't, I can't really stand going even a day if I feel like I haven't heard God. I, I'm like, God, what, what's wrong? What, what do I need to do? I need to hear your voice. And this person looked at me and they're like, you hear God every day? I'm like, well, yeah, we're, we're supposed to. We hear him when we read his word. We hear him when the Holy Spirit brings the word back to us. We hear when the Holy Spirit just tells us what we need to do throughout the day. And, and, and so there is a difference between just knowing the word and having a relationship and, and knowing God. And so if there was any confusion on last week, I want to clear this up. It is not truth or love. It's not one or the other. Paul is not saying, and I am not saying, that you either choose truth or you choose love. Now, Scripture tells us this. 1 John 3.18 says that we are to love in truth. And then Ephesians uh, uh, 4.15 says, speaking the truth in love. So it's not truth or love. It's putting them both together. It's truth and love. It's truth in love. And that's always been my heart as a pastor. For any of you who have been around me for a long time, you know my heart is that we have to restore the love of God to the people of God and to the lost world. Now, some people would say, yeah, we also need to restore truth to the world because the world is in error. And I would say, absolutely. We, we absolutely do. There's just something inside of my heart that says for a long time we've had truth. And we've hurt people with it. We've isolated people with it. Uh, but I believe that when love is leading the way, see, if, you can't love if you don't have the truth. So I believe that, that love informs us and, and love helps us then take the truth and apply it in a way that, that really begins to, to build ground. And so my heart is to restore uh, the love of God, but not to compromise the, the truth of God in any way. But once the word of God is implanted in us and it informs us, don't stop there. But now the word has to inspire us. How many times do we hear Jesus speak to a disciple and say, come and follow me? Come and follow me. Do you realize that every time you hear a message, every time you read the word, every time you read a devotion or hear something online that has to do with the word, the word of God carries with it its own invitation? Yeah, like the word of God, every time it is read or, or spoken, it carries its own devotion. It is saying to you, will you come and follow me in this way? Will you come? 
And will you obey me in this way? Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, come and follow me. And over in Luke chapter 9, verse 58, uh, there was an anonymous disciple, uh, a person who was encountering Jesus. And he said, Lord, I will follow you anywhere. But then when it came down to it and it was time to follow, he said, oh, but, but, but Lord, I need to go back and, and do some stuff. I need to... I need to go back and, and do some things over here. And I thought, wow, how many times do we hear the word of God and we gain knowledge of it? But when it comes down to actually doing it, we're just full of excuses. And so today, I think as a church, as a people, I have to look at myself. I want you to look at yourself and say, what are you full of? You know, in scripture, we're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think we're full of excuses. And so as a church and as a people, I think it is worthwhile of going back and saying, am I really following? Is the word of God inspiring me to do something or am I content to just come in and hear a message? You know, it'd be a, a, a real tragedy if every week you heard a message and you only judged if it was good or bad or entertaining or not entertaining and you judge the music the same kind of way and, and you left and all you did was decide if you heard something good or not. Yeah, that was a good one. Well, okay, it was a good one. Well, maybe it was a, a bad one. But if it was the truth, there's something in there that could inspire you to, to follow the word of God. Now, here's the thing. There were a lot of people who were following Jesus and they were following him for all the wrong reasons. I mean, you think about the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These folks are following Jesus wherever he goes. And you would think that following would be a good thing, but, but they were following him so that they could trap him in his words, so that they could find something that he said and use it against him to discredit him. Could you imagine if you were followed by a person all the time simply so they could trap you in your words so that they could find something wrong that they could use against you and so they followed but they followed for all the wrong reasons and then there were those who followed because they had a need they followed because they were hungry or they were sick and they needed a miracle in their life and so they followed but they followed in order to to get something for themselves. But there's a difference in how a, a follower of Jesus follows. They follow because their heart is for Jesus. They're, they're not following him to trap him. They're following him to, to hear what he has to say and, and do what he does. They're following him not because they need a miracle. Maybe they receive one, but now they follow because they, they want to stay in touch with the one who saved them, with the one that healed them. They don't ever want to leave him. That's what the heart of a follower. Jesus, I don't ever want to leave you. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And so they, they follow. And as a believer, we have to question if we call ourselves followers of Christ and yet we are not followers. We have to question if we say that we are a believer, but we're filled with unbelief. And we can't stop there because we, we're continuing on. So we've had the word implanted. It's informed us and it's inspired us to follow. 
but but now here is the the part where this is what we're after it's not just about heaven or hell and you need to decide that for sure you need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior if you never have but I'll tell you that salvation is the beginning point so that this can occur it is in Ephesians it's chapter 5 And it's in verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. I'll never forget, Caden was about probably five years old and I was talking to someone and I was next to my vehicle. And so I have this habit when I'm talking, I don't seem to know what to do with my hands. So I, I put my hands in my front pocket, and usually my, my thumbs are sort of out, my forefingers are in my pocket, and I was leaning against the vehicle, and I was talking to this person. Here's Katie. He's five years old, and you know he's waiting for this conversation to be over so we can leave, and I, I look down at him, five years old. Caden has four fingers in his pocket. His thumbs are out, and he's leaning against the truck just like me. And I thought, wow. Now, he's... He's imitating me. And I thought as a father, I said, oh, man, you know, you got to watch as your father. Because if we're not careful, our, our children will imitate us. We have to watch as mothers. We have to be careful because if we're not, if we're not careful, our, our children will imitate us. And that's what the Word tells us, that ultimately the Word of God is to make us imitators of God, is to give us a relationship with the Father so that we imitate the Son and we become more like him. Now, how do we do that? I believe it starts at a heart level that as we're imitating God, it's more than just the outside. Really, it's about what's going on in the inside. You can have your fingers in your pocket and standing and imitating on the outside. But I tell you what I want more from Caden than anything is not can he put his hands in his pocket like me, but I want him to have a heart for Christ. And, and so in, in many ways, I, I'm like, the, uh, like Paul when he says, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to be able to look at my son. I want to be able to look at you as my church family. And I know this comes with great weight, so I don't say this lightly, but I think we all should, as believers, we should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Do what I do. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to get it perfect enough, and I haven't. It doesn't mean that you're going to get it all right and you won't. But our intentions should be that we want to follow Christ. And we would say to our children and we would say to those around us, would you follow me as I follow Christ? I'm going to point you in that direction. And, and that starts at a heart level. That I want to imitate Christ in this way. I want his heart. I want to love the things that he loves. And I want to hate the things that he hates. I want to have his nature inside of me. I want to have his ways in, inside of me. And that's why when this word becomes implanted in us, sometimes we have to make some changes. Can I tell you that if you're going to follow Christ, you can't stay the way that you were before you said yes to Christ. You're going to have to make some changes. You're going to have to change ways and let the word impress that upon us. And so it, it causes us to change and to repent. And so 
I want to caution us as well because we can imitate God, but we can imitate him like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And boy, that's bad news. Uh, you see, they, they knew the word of God better than anyone else. They could quote it. They knew right from wrong. And yet their heart was not at all like Jesus. If you look at the way that they treated people, if you looked at the way that they treated Christ, you'd see they didn't have his heart. So we can imitate on the outside. We can know a lot of things and we cannot have Christ's heart. And so we want to imitate his heart. He has to come and live in, inside of us. And, and then we have to be careful that we don't just look at the word and go to church and, uh, because we're wanting to live our best life. <laughs> I, I sure hope nobody's posted that lately. And if you have, I haven't seen it and I'm not picking on you. Uh, but I'm concerned by that mindset that says I'm, I'm living my best life. Because I think what that does is rather than become an imitator of Christ, we use Christ in order to get what we want. That, that we think that somehow this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing fits into making us better people. And so then we begin to read the word of God just for purely selfish reasons of how to make our life better. Now, is Christ going to make your life better? Absolutely. In every way, he's going to make your life better. But, but there is a way of reading scripture that says, God, I want to read it in the context that you wrote it, and I want to apply it to my life in the way that you meant it. And then there's another way to read into scripture that says, I'm just looking for ways to improve my life. And if there's anything in here that'll help me, I'll pick it out and pull it out to use it to advance myself. That's a, a very American, a very narcissistic way of reading scripture. And I just want us to be careful of that. Jesus did not come in, in order to just be some kind of self-improvement plan. He came to totally renovate our hearts. And so then what are we to do? We're to become those, those imitators of, of Christ. And so I want us to do this. I've really been working hard the last three weeks to give you something to take away, something that, that you could take outside and practice. If you remember Philippians 4, it said this, to dwell. And so we take the, the word of God and we dwell on it. We, we memorize it like Brantley said, and we meditate on it, as I said. And so we dwell on the word of God, and then we, we practice it. And so what is the, the practice for us today? I'd love for you to look back and see if you've gotten stuck at any place here. Maybe that you're stuck at not having enough time in the Word so that it can be implanted in you. Maybe that you allowed it to, to produce knowledge, but it didn't inspire you to action. and Maybe it didn't cause us to be imitators of God. And then what I said earlier has just been resonating with me all last night and even early this morning. And so if you pull out your note or grab something from the front pew that you can just write on, I want to ask you if the reason maybe that some of us are stuck is because we've been making excuses. And I want us to just take an honest look at ourselves right now and say, has the word been asking us to follow? And yet we've been making excuses and we've been blaming our uh, situation on other people and other things and we've not been taking responsibility for ourselves and if so I want us to just write down there some areas where maybe we've been making excuses 
or maybe you would just do this on the note on your phone or on the, the envelope in the front seat or piece of paper that you have, you'd say, no more excuses. Maybe you just write that on something that you could see. So that when you wake up every day, you say, you know what? I'm tired of making excuses for why I'm not growing. I'm tired of making excuses of why I don't know the Word of God. We are saturated with the Word of God. We have Bibles everywhere. Everyone is preaching online. There are devotions everywhere. There is no excuse. We're to be full of the Holy Spirit, not full of excuses. And so I want to pray and then... Pastor D, I'm going to turn the message over to you, and I feel like maybe there is a time we need to just meditate for a little bit. We need to just be quiet and hear from the Lord today. And so, would you do as I'm doing now? I'm saying, Lord, I don't, I don't want to make excuses. I want to see you formed in me. I want to be able to say to my children and be able to say to my friends and to be able to say to coworkers, follow me. As I follow Christ, imitate me as I imitate the Father. Oh God, let us, let us be filled up with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, that was a good word, right? Cool, really good word that challenges us. I want to do this as we get ready to close out as he said. No excuses. Sometimes we'll allow excuses to come. You know, today was a classic example um, of how you overcome excuses um, of things. He could have said, hey, D, you just preach and we keep everything normal. But we said, no, nah, we, we got to figure it out. We'll figure it out. Even when we were getting ready to figure out how to put the service up there and get the slide so that you can follow along in the video, um, we could have just said, well, forget it. We'll just let him talk. But we had to figure it out, right? Life is so much better when you try to figure it out. Um, when you move beyond whatever the excuses may be, life begins to get better because you get to experience more. Um, you get to experience more of God. So what I want to do is I want to pray for you guys that if you're stuck, he said, implant, um, and then he went on. And the word that I really got um, inspired by was the one that he said, um, you, you, you get inspired. You get inspired. You, you, you implant, you inform, you inspire, and then you imitate. So many times we hear the word. I believe that God has done a phenomenal job of bringing leaders to this church to pour into our hearts to inform us of what God wants to do in our lives. And we do that. We get the information of what we feel like is next, and then we're inspired. But then somewhere during that inspiring part, we get stagnant. We get afraid. We get, you know, kind of we begin to hold ourselves back because we're not sure what's next. And so I want to pray that if there's anything that's stopping you guys, even those that are here and those that are watching online, if there's something that's stopping you from being inspired and going out and imitating what you know God has called you to do, we want to pray that the Spirit of God, the power of God will remove all of those things so that you can go into this world and imitate Christ and you can experience the trueness of who he really is. So as we bow our heads and we close out in prayer, I want you to do an internal examination. If that's you and there's something that's preventing you, maybe it's fear. You know, uh, Chris and uh, Amy and the praise and worship group, they, they said we're no longer um, slaves to fear, but we're children of God. We're, we're, not a, we're, we're, not, we're surrounded by who he is. And if he surrounds us, then we can move forward to be and do what he's called us to do.
Father, I pray even now, as we prepare our hearts and minds to close out this worship experience, that every hindrance, everything that's presented itself by way of an excuse, you would give us the knowledge. You will connect us with the right people, the right resources, that we don't have to stay behind excuse, but we can jump over to the other side and be closer to you. So, Father, I pray right now that heaven will begin to release resources. I, I pray now that heaven will begin to create the right relationships. I pray that heaven will begin to give those things, oh God, that would allow us to move freely into being and doing what you've called us to do and be. Father, I pray for this congregation that's under the sound of my voice, those that are watching my way of live stream, YouTube, and even our, web, our, our website, that they don't have to be stuck. They can be courageous as Deuteronomy 13 and 8 because you're always with us. We don't have to go through anything in our lives by ourselves. Father, you said that you'll be with us always, until, even until the end of time. So, God, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we, as we walk through these places, God, where it, it, we may be fearful, remind us, oh God, that your presence is still there with us, that you're longing to be with us. And so, Father, allow us to have the same heart to welcome you in. You said in Revelations, behold, I stand and knock, and whosoever shall open up the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with him and I'll never leave. Remind us of that, God, every day. Remind us of that, God, when we prepare our hearts and posture ourselves to go into what's next, that we don't have to be afraid because you've promised to walk alongside of us. And so, Father, I pray for this church that as we continue to walk through uncertain times, that you will remind us, oh God, that you're walking with us. Not only that you're walking with us, but you went before us and you've made a way. And now you're requiring and calling us to simply trust you. So now, God, I pray again for our leadership of this church, that we continue to lead courageously and boldly, oh God, doing things that may not be normal, like leaving some of our, our, our leaders and dispatching them to go pray over a community while we're in our traditional worship experience. But God, we, you, you call us to do radical things, God. You've inspired us to do radical things, God. Give us the courage to continue to see those things through. God, continue to equip us, oh God, that we might be able to be imitators of you and spreading your love into a dying world. Father, we love you, we honor you, and we cherish you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask it all. And the redeemed of the Lord said amen, amen, and amen. We love you guys. We love you guys. We pray that you were blessed. Now do us a favor. Go out and be imitators of Jesus Christ. Amen.